Today, part two in a two-part series called Songs for Suffering from the Book of Psalms. Last week, we looked at Psalm 13. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 42 and 43, which, as I just explained, go together. And the psalmist, you heard it, you saw it, is sharing what so many people, people here included, us included, often experience, namely depression. A 2020 study revealed that 14.8 million adults in that year experienced a severe bout of depression with rates being significantly higher, particularly among uh, men and women, 18 to 29, and then generally across the board for women. Four to six percent of adults experience significant bouts with depression. Then I also learned from a study of 2020 that 3.1 million uh, people from the age of 12 to 17 suffer some degree of depression. Now, beyond what is clinically classified as depression, right? What is formally classified as depression, so many more experience what we would call, perhaps for lack of uh, better words, a deep season of being down, right? An extended season of the blues, right? A time of melancholy. A time of just things looking dark. Can anybody here identify with that? Now, whatever you want to call it, in all of its varying degrees that we all, to some length, uh, experience, the good news is that the Bible is not just some pie in the sky, how to get you to heaven stuff. Yes, at the center of Scripture is how we can be reconciled back to God through the work of Christ. But that same truth actually has something to say about our suffering this side of glory, and specifically the word today, the suffering of depression. So we're going to dive right in in a message titled, Dealing with Depression. Dealing with Depression. And the first thing I want us to see from this text is that this psalmist, would you agree with me, is deeply distressed. Can we say, perhaps, deeply distressed? depressed. He says in verse 3, my tears have been my food when? Day and night. That expression refers not just to sadness and sorrow and mourning that he does feel. He explicitly states that in verse 9, but it also refers to how in his depression, he is so depressed He doesn't even have an appetite. Depression, even in the area of eating, affects us all in different ways. Some people stuff their face. Other people, they don't want to eat at all. Unfortunately, I'm the former because I normally like to stuff my face. But when I am feeling really down, I actually lose my appetite. How about you? Have you ever been so depressed that something that normally would be very appetizing to you holds no attraction? You're that down? That's what the psalmist is saying. Literally, his tears 
have been his food because he's not eating anything else night and day. Then you have this expression in the middle part of verse 7. He says, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Clearly, this is the imagery of drowning. And isn't that how depression can feel? You feel like you're just sinking in sadness. You feel like you're being overwhelmed by hopelessness, crashing wave after crashing wave, breaking wave after breaking wave, sinking in sadness, overwhelmed by hopelessness. Clearly, this guy is not in a good place, right? He is having a difficult time. Then we just read and we saw it three times he says to himself, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then verse six, he explicitly says, my soul is cast down within me. Hmm. It's not, however, would you, do you see that he is depressed, that he's down, that he's really feeling it some kind of way? But now listen, it's not that in a state of depression or downness or whatever you want to call it, people can't think true thoughts about God. They can still do that. Look at verse 8. He says, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life, I say to God my rock. That's some good stuff right there, right? There is some truth and clarity right there, isn't there? But oh, how quickly it's followed by lies. Why have you forgotten me? Now, he's being real about how he feels, a good thing. We saw that last week. But God never forgets his children. He is believing a lot. You, you see this again, chapter 43, verse 2, for example. He says, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. And that is one of the names that God has called through Scripture, God, our refuge. There's truth and clarity, but then he says, why have you rejected me? And if you're in Christ, he will never reject you. He rejected his son in your place who paid for your sin on the cross and rose again. He's truth and clarity followed by lies. So such is the nature of depression, okay? This is the nature of depression. You can have great moments of clarity and truth, but they are compressed into longer seasons of honestly believing lies. Did you know what I said about William Cooper last week? He wrote the amazing song, God works, God moves in a mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Listen to the rest of these lyrics. You maybe know this song. He says, deep, he wrote these words, deep in his dark and hidden minds with never failing skill, he fashions all his bright designs and works his sovereign will. So he says, oh fearful saints, new courage take. The clouds that you now dread are big with mercy and soon will break with blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. God's purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. And then he ends with this, blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. What are you doing, God? 
God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. There's some incredible truth and clarity right there, isn't there? Do you know the day after he wrote these words, it was the third attempt on his own life? Now, fortunately, he had some people around him, a great support network, um, John Newton being one of them. But this, this man is an illustration, is he not, of how quickly truth and clarity can give way to lies in, in, in hours after writing such a truth and clarity-packed song. This highlights, as I close this first point, his condition, the reality of depression. In depression, you got to know this. You are susceptible, really susceptible. I am really susceptible to believing lies, even while confessing some truth out of the side of my mouth. Our spiritual immune system goes down, right? Our lie-detecting immune system goes down when we are in a period of being down. We believe stuff like the psalmist believed. God has forgotten me. God has rejected me. God doesn't really care about my plight. It would be better just to end things. Prayer is useless. I'm not needed. I can't do anything right. I always mess things up. People would be better with, off without me. It's always going to be like this. I'm always going to be like this, and on and on. Can you identify with any of those lies? Have you ever listened to yourself speak those lies to yourself? And underneath all of that is the sneaky suspicion that maybe God is done with me. Or maybe he is making me atone for some past sins and mistakes that I should have known better. What do you think? Now the truth is, sometimes we can be depressed because of our sin. We have to be honest about that. Psalm 32, imagery of depression. My bones wasting away, right? Psalm 51, the two penitential psalms. But even then, even then, God is not rejecting you. And God is not making you atone because Jesus Christ atoned for those sins. He may be giving you conviction so that you can come back to the atoning work of Christ. But on top of that, a lot of depression we experience isn't because of our sin. It actually could be because of the sin of somebody against us that can really hurt us and take us down, a heartbreak or something. And on top of that, some depression we're just going to experience because we live in a fallen world with fallen bodies that have yet to be glorified and made whole and healthy completely forever again. Now that leads then to the second point. We've seen his condition, deeply depressed. Now, he gives us a few causes. This, this list is not exhaustive, it's merely suggestive, but let's look at some of the ones that he has for his depressed state. First of all, he is depressed, he's down, because he is not able to gather for worship. I bet you wouldn't put that at the top of your list. He does. Look what he says in verse one. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He knows God's omnipresent. He's talking about coming to appear before him with others in worship. You know that because of verse four. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng. That's a lot of people, right? 
and lead them into, the, into procession to the house of God, in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Now, we don't know why, but the psalmist is far from the temple in Jerusalem, and that's spelled out even more with some later verses. And it's not that the psalmist doesn't think that he can't worship God on his own anywhere. He's doing that in a sense right here, is he not? But he is conceding, he is confessing, something we're going to come back to, that not gathering with the body of believers is having a negative effect effect, and in fact helping contribute to his depression. He's down, he's experiencing depression because he's not able to gather to worship. Number two, another cause that we find in this passage is the taunts of unbelievers. Did you notice how he emphasized vocally the latter part of verse three? Where's your God? People say. And then verse, is it 10? Where is your God again? Now, we, we may not, a James Montgomery voice uh, made this point, we may not directly hear such taunts, right? They're out there sometimes. But he says, perhaps even worse is how we can feel when we are before how we when we're depressed and down and, and, and not really killing it spiritually, and we're thinking lost people are looking at us, and hey, what's going on here? I'm supposed to have it all together. After all, I'm a Christian. And we can flog ourselves a little bit that way. And even believers, however well-intentioned, can make other believers feel that way by the kinds of things that they say. So it's, so it's that, second of all. Third of all, chapter 43, verse 1, there are the t- attacks that he's experiencing from ungodly. We don't exactly know what the attacks are. But attacks from ungodly people. Verse 1, chapter 43. Vindicate me, O my God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. Now, if I can be a little bit candid right here, I personally know the toll, that slander, that misrepresentation, that outright bold-faced lies can have on one's psyche, compounded by the fact there are people who know better, who know the truth, who stand by silently. And this is contributing to his depressed state. And then on top of all that, it doesn't seem like God is doing anything about his situation, does it? That's what he says in verse 9 when he says, hey, 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 hey. Where are you? Why have you forgotten me? (laughs) That's the sense of it. Where are you? When are you going to move? Now, those are some reasons that we know from this text why this, this psalmist is experiencing depression. And to those, I would add even more causes that we might experience depression and downness and all the rest. Remember what I said last week in the introduction? Sometimes the loss of a loved one hmm? or family strain or a season of an extended trial, be it physical, job, or otherwise. And to that, I could add many more, and so could you. How about unmet expectations? You've been praying for a long time that God would send you a spouse, and here you are still single. You've been praying for a long time that God would grow your family, and yet it's not happened. 
You've been working your butt off on the job and you thought you were gonna get that next promotion and you were passed over not just once, but twice, but three times. Or maybe because of your physical health declining, you can't do something you used to do. Athletes go through this. You can't do things that you used to do, things that you love, you can't do them anymore. Or maybe your children move. And now the silence in your house is deafening. Now we have a bunch of young families here, I know that, but the day will come. And by the way, parents, let me just quickly say here, if you don't deal with that, parents will hold their kids back because of their own pain or anticipated pain. Other things that can cause depression, betrayal, abuse, abandonment, neglect, and yes, our own sin, right? Our fallen bodies, let's, let's be honest. The fall not only impacted our bones, it also impacted our brains. So you have all kinds of conditions. And I will close the second point with this. Martin Lloyd-Jones has a great book. I'm going to quote it in a second. He talks about temperaments. Some people just have different temperaments. People who tend to be more reflective, more thoughtful, sometimes can experience more depression, more, more being down. So there's all kinds of causes, but where are you right now? Are you in that place? Have you been in that place? Do you think sometime you will be in that place? And the answer would be yes. So third of all, and, and this is really the, the, the big meat behind the message, how about the cure? We've seen his condition, we've seen some causes, how about the cure? Question, is it wrong to seek medical help in a season of depression? Yes or no? Yes or no? It is not wrong to seek medical help. It can be very healthy, very stabilizing, and, and, and part of a care plan. Next question. Is it wrong to look solely and primarily to the medical realm for, say, depression, being down, and all the rest? Yes or no? Yes, it is wrong for a Christian, solely and primarily. Sinclair Ferguson, Scottish preacher, has a great quote. He said, yes, depression can have chemical causes, but under no circumstances should we ever say, I have no responsibility, just get me to the dock. Under no circumstances. Now you need to know, if you're in Christ, Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him above everything at the right hand of the Father is the same power that's in you. Now, we don't always feel it, and I'm not saying we do, but that, that's true. And because of that, we can walk out two responsibilities we have, whether it is full-bore clinical depression or a season of blues or some varying degree of that. Number one, this is what we need to do. We need to take it to God. And if you missed last week, that was, that's what last week was all about. Psalm 13, praying through suffering, all kinds of suffering, but depression included. The first thing you need to do is you actually need to pray. Because as I said last week, in any kind of suffering, depression included, you are never standing still. That's not how spiritual inertia, spiritual gravity works. You're either moving closer to God intentionally, or by not, you are drifting away. 
And so you need to pray. The second thing I said is, that doesn't mean, however, you pray nice little neat pretend plastic Christianese prayers. Now keep it real. Be real about how you feel. Right? Then third of all, I said, however, don't stay there. Ask God to move. Ask God to move. And the fourth point I made was this. Again, still in prayer, you have to turn from your feelings to fact. It is foolish to ignore your feelings, and we can do that a lot. And then it's equally foolish to keep your feelings in the driver's seat. You need to turn from feelings to fact. And I would encourage you, if you missed that message, to listen to it. We're going to land there in just a moment as we end. But number two, you need to talk to yourself. We say that with me? Talk to yourself. Talk back to yourself. Talk back. Thank you, Vincent. Thank you. At the peak of his depressive state, this is exactly what the psalmist does. He talks back to himself. You see, here's, here's, here's the deal about depression. In depression, we end up obsessively listening to ourselves, right? Chewing on it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Like a rat in a rat cage, going around and around and around. We end up obsessively listening to ourselves and then to the lies that go along with just listening to ourselves, and ultimately paralyzingly fixating on how we feel. That's what we do. We obsessively listen to ourselves, we engulf lies, we gorge on lies, we feast on lies, and we become paralyzed, fixating on how we feel. And so we end up becoming like the psalmist. Our tears become our food day and night, Wave after wave of hopelessness crashes over us. We need to talk back to our thoughts. Now, Martin Lloyd-Jones, this is a book that every Christian should read. Once you read it once, you will actually go back to it again. So just read it once. Get the book, Spiritual Depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'm telling you, it it is one of those books Christians ought to read. And he has this quote, and he basically builds his whole whole uh, book on this, a series of sermons. He said, quote, the main art in spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You must take yourself in hand. You must address yourself. You must say to your soul, soul, why are you cast down? Then you must exhort yourself and say to yourself, Hope in God. All he's doing is referencing the threefold refrain. And I want you to read these three verses with me, just for effect. Let's start. Verse, 40, verse 5, chapter 42. Read it aloud with me. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
Now, I want to know something really important here. When he says, talk to yourself, he is clearly not saying, hey, talk positive thoughts back to yourself, right? Now, there's a place for that. Have you ever given a speech and you are just so nervous, you think you're going to pass out? That's me in middle school speeches. You, You know, you say, hey, man, you got this. You've planned, you've prepared, which I couldn't say because I didn't do much school in those days. But there's a little utility in talking back to yourself, right? Or if you'll forgive me for the thousandth baseball illustration, maybe that pitcher has had your number all game, you've struck out twice, you bounced out, weak contact, and now you come up in the last inning, the game's on the line, and you can think, oh my goodness, it's, I'm not going to get a hit again. Or you can talk back to yourself and say, I got this guy. I need one pitch, one spot, and I'm going to nail it. Now, that's some good stuff to do in life, okay? There there is something about speaking positivity back to yourself insofar as it's rooted in truth. But that's decidedly not what he's doing here, right? When the psalmist is saying you need to talk back to yourself, talk back to himself, when he says hope in God, he is clearly doing this. He's looking away from himself, is he not? And he's looking back up to God, right? He's looking back to God and speaking truth about the living God to himself. Now, let me fill this out. Why is God hope-worthy? Why would he say hope in God? Why is God hope-worthy? Or another way you could ask that question is, why is God trustworthy? Well, a lot of, we could really stretch out this answer, but God is true, right? God is good, and God is for me. He's true, he's good, and he's for me in Christ. Therefore, you must speak the truth of this hope-worthy or trustworthy God back to yourself. And and, and the psalmist, what's really cool, even on all of his ups and downs, forget the rest of Scripture, just Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, there's enough substance of truth about God that you could talk to yourself. For instance, verse 1, chapter. I'm sorry, verse 2, he calls God the living God. What if you remind yourself, God is the living God. I've just been in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, I think it is 39, 40, you know, he talks about the nations worshiping idols. You know, something carved out of wood, they'll take part of it to heat their bread, and then the rest of it, they'll make into something they worship, and when it falls over, you got to lift it back up again. We got to remind ourselves, I'm not going to trust in idols. No, I'm going to look to the living God. Or how about this? Verse 5. He says, my salvation. He says that several times. What have you said to yourself? Man alive. The Father sought me. And the Son bought me. And the Spirit brought me into the family of God. And what if you just talk to yourself about the various tenses of salvation? I have been saved from the penalty of sin, hell. I am being saved from the practice of sin in life. And one day I'll be saved, praise God, from the very potential of sin, very presence of sin in all of its various dimensions. We can go on. Verse 5, he says, my God. What if he said, God, God is my God. I might not feel it right now, but he is my God. Verse 8, he commands his steadfast love. There's truth you could remind yourself of. And remember that quote from Sally Lloyd-Jones, the Jesus Storybook Bible? The best definition of hesed out there, I think. God loves his children with a never stopping, never giving up, and breaking always and forever love. We can go on and on. Verse 8, this is the only time in Scripture you have this expression, God of my life. He's the God of my life. 
Verse 9, he calls him my rock. You know, on Christ the solid rock, I stand all other ground to sinking grand, sinking sand. Verse 2, my refuge. And yeah, verse 4, I don't feel much joy. Nonetheless, you say, God is my exceeding joy. He will, he will fill me with joy. This is why it is so important, family, to immerse yourself in the word of God. I read this quote by a lady that I, that I saw on uh, social media, and she put up a great quote. She says, she said, no one becomes a doctor by only studying five minutes a day. Right, Brian? Right, Han? No one becomes a pro athlete by only practicing five minutes a day or any kind of athlete. And no one becomes a mature Christian by only studying the Bible five minutes a day. So develop the habit of spending lots of time studying the Bible to grow spiritually. And if you were to do that, you would load up with hope-laden scripture such as Romans 8. Yeah, we're being, we're being slaughtered all the day long, but we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? The paradoxes of Christianity. Where I can be confident of this very good thing, Philippians 1, that he who has begun a good work in me will perform it through the day of Jesus Christ. Every believer is one, I'm trying to say, must be a preacher back to herself. Every believer must be a preacher back to himself of the truth. Talk back to yourself. Is that clear? Now, before we shut this down, I know somebody here is thinking, I've done that. I'm doing that. And that doesn't really work. Anybody ever thought that? Come on, let's just be honest. Done that, I've thought that, doing that, it doesn't work. Can I call baloney on that? And I'm doing that for me too. I'm not saying you haven't tried that, but I'm saying you haven't really tried that. What I mean to say is, you have not done that nearly to the degree that you've listened to yourself. So if we could somehow make a chart, a graph, a visual graph of listening to yourself and talking back to yourself, on this side, listening to yourself, it will go through the ceiling, it will go through the clouds, it will go into Paul's third heaven or whatever it is, right? I mean, boom, you're always listening to yourself, right? Now, this side, talking to yourself, hmm, like, it doesn't even get to this, these pipes above my head, right? And not, you get what I'm saying? You're talking back to yourself hasn't even in the most minuscule way kept pace with listening to yourself. You say that's hard work. You better believe it is hard work. It is. I, I've had a few nights in my life. There, there, there's two that come, come to mind. Where? I, I felt like I was literally drowning. And I, 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 I remember, I, I just, my tears were my food day and night. Just tossing and turning on my mattress. He's going to finish off this point for me. It's beautiful. It's perfect. That's okay. He's a sweet boy. Gave me a moment of uh, getting myself together. And I had to say to myself, who do I have in heaven but you? 
And besides you, there's no one I desire on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart, my portion forever. And boom, I fall asleep. But I mean, I, I literally, I looked at the clock. It was like three to seven minutes. All night. And then the lights would, and the darkness and everything else would come again. Who do I have in heaven but you? And besides you, there's nothing I deserve. My flesh and my heart might fail. But God, you're the strength of my heart, my fortune forever. Fall asleep. And I would look at the clock. It would be three to seven minutes later. And I will tell you, it's not always going to be like that, okay? But those battles teach us something about learning not to be passive and curl up in the fetal position and just, it's okay to curl up, but when you curl up, speak up too. Thoughts always coming. You need to talk back to yourself to the same proportion. And you can do, throw, do, do that, not through your own strength, but through the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, other times, let's just be honest, we plain old-fashioned don't want to talk truth to ourselves, right? I don't even want to think about truth in that space, let alone talk it back to myself. Anybody here ever been like that? You're as cold as cold can be. Okay, okay, okay. What would you say to a friend who, say, was physically sick, say they had cancer, or say they had, they had a really bad case of COVID, and they had no desire to eat, no hunger, no desire to drink, no thirst. Would you say to them, hey, 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 don't worry about it. Just wait till you get hungry again. Just wait till you get thirsty again to eat or drink. Would you say that to them? No, because you know their lack of appetite for food and drink is actually a sign of them being sick, right? And if there's any chance of getting healthy again, they must nonetheless, despite how they feel, get some food into their stomach and get some drink into their system. They need to be hydrated. Now, do you get the point here? The application is obvious. You must minister to your soul by speaking truth back to it, no matter how you feel, and especially when you don't feel like it. And related to this, I said we were going to return with verse 4. The psalmist you saw longed for when he could worship God, right? With God's people. And does he not concede that not being able to do so was having a negative impact on him, right? Often in depression, the last place we want to go is where? where what's the last place we want to go? What's the last place we want to go? Where there's a lot of people, one... And then church, too, a worship gathering. But, let, but, but, but here's the deal. Whether we realize it or not, that itself exacerbates our condition. It may seem not to, but it, it actually does. It really does. I listened to several people preach on this text. One of the guys was a British preacher. I can't remember his name, but he, he told his story about how... Um, through his life, he suffered some bad bouts of depression. Sometimes he's had medical help. But he came to realize in every season, he must attend gathered worship at all cost. And he was honest. He said, sometimes when I'm in one of those darker seasons, I will slip in right after they've begun the first song because that's just where I'm at. I don't really want to interact too much. 
and I will jet out of there, boom, during the, the, during the, the closing benediction. And I've come to realize, hey, that's okay. He said, it. I wouldn't want to do that my whole walk and whole life, but there are times I just need to at least get to gather and worship, hear the word, hear the, hear the song sung, break bread, and all the rest. Hebrews 10.25 was written to Christians who were suffering. And when you suffer, we talked about this, you are more susceptible to being down even full-bore depression. And this is what he says. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Listen, this is not some harsh, sterile, stringent, legalistic admonition, check the box. It's actually a loving command for our health and for our good and for the health and good of our other sisters. Read on in those verses and for the glory of God. Use every available opportunity, however you are feeling, to load up truth, to speak to yourself. Talk back to yourself with the truth. All right? And with this, I will be very brief. I want us to know that the sister of truth is praise. Don't, don't miss this. The sister of truth is praise. That is, we need to take all that truth that we're talking back to ourselves and talk it back to God, which was the first thing I said under this. Take it to God. That is, we are to take this truth that we are encouraging ourselves with and praise God for it. That's why each and every of the three times he says, hope in God, he then goes on to say, I shall yet again do what? Praise him. I shall yet again praise him. Is not praise part of what prayer is? The reason some people don't want to pray much is his prayer is simply asking. Prayer, first and foremost, is, is praising. Praising. And isn't that what singing is all about? Praising God? I love that line in the, the second song we sang, I'm going to sing through the storm. I think you need to stir yourself up to do that. Now listen, you might not be in the middle of the lane of the highway going 80 miles an hour lifting your hands and having a full board charismatic experience. But you can at least roll 15 miles an hour on the shoulder, right? You can at least be thinking about the lyrics and, being, and, and, and praising God for that truth. So, so, say and sing verse one, as a deer pants for flowing streams, my soul, my soul pants my soul for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for living God. Because here's the reality. Whether you realize it or not, your soul thirsts for God. So just say it and sing it. And do chapter 43, verse 4. Go to the altar of God. Gather worship. To God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you, O oh God, my God. Again, this is not a matter of feeling. Somebody who is a not, okay, in, in really bad shape physically probably doesn't feel like working out, right? In fact, when you start working out, you, it might be really rough. You might feel like puking. But you know what? Though it might be brutal at first, in the end, you will feel better for it. Well, over long term, you'll, you'll be healthier, right? Probably on less medications and all the rest. I'm not even talking about that. Just like heart medication, all that, because you're just in better shape. 
But even apart from that, immediately you have the sense of accomplish something. I don't want to work out and you do it. Okay, I accomplish something. There's, there's something that feels good about that, right? Or maybe there's like the endorphins. Is that right? Endor- I don't know what those are. Something that's released. Right? That makes you a sense of well-being. Now listen, if that is true in the physical realm, how much more true in the spiritual realm? You may not feel like praising God, but even apart from the help it does give you, from the hope that it will stir in you, is not the living God, the author and finisher of your salvation, worth it? So I say with you, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet again praise him, my salvation and my God. 